At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is Uncomfortable. experiences too it happens very frequently for me that that things change but what's really cool is sometimes they change back and even now people are having shared experiences with me where they're it's changing they're like hey this is what i remember i'm going to give you an example my mom didn't come to paracon one year because she had all the rest of her teeth pulled out (laughs) and her her fiance was taking good care of her and she didn't come because she was in pain and just still recovering from having all of all of the rest of her teeth pulled out. And I remember after that happened, I asked to see in her mouth to see what it looked like in there. There was no teeth in there, right? Well, then a, a while later, and, you know, it wasn't like soon after, but, you know, um, her fiancé got sick with cancer and he died. Oh, my. Sorry. Very quickly. He died very quickly. And... uh 
then my mom and I were having dinner and with my boyfriend and she my mom says well I'm gonna have my the rest of my teeth pulled out next week and I looked at her I said what she said I'm gonna have the rest of my teeth pulled out you have teeth mom <laughs> she's like yeah I'm like where <laughs> Here, let me see and I'm like okay um and, you know, this happens to me so often that things change that I, I don't bucket too hard anymore. I'm just like, okay, I it's different now. It, it's different. But I still want to see. Show me that it's different. <laughs> and uh, so then she gets up to go back and get some more food at the buffet. And my boyfriend and I were sitting there and he says, uh, I thought your mom had all her teeth pulled out when Daryl was alive. And that's why she couldn't come to Paracon. I'm like, that's what I remember. And so we were sitting there going, hmm, well, apparently we've shifted into a different spot. So, and then we fast forward into another time where my daughter comes to visit and I'm having lunch with her and my mom again at a, at a buffet. <laughs> we like those. <laughs> and uh, my daughter says to me, very insecure, like, like she's nervous about talking to me this. She says, mom, do you know anything about the... Mandela effect and I smiled and I said yes I do why and she says well um, and you, I could tell she's very nervous to talk to me about this I said are you experiencing things changing yes <laughs> yes I am and you know I could tell she feel she's feeling crazy <laughs> and I said, well, let me tell you something. And I looked, and as I started to talk about my mom's teeth, I stopped, like a knowing stopped me. And I said, mom, when you had all of your teeth pulled out and you had none left, was Daryl alive or was he dead? Oh, boy. And she said, Daryl was alive. He took care of me. I said, hmm, interesting. <laughs> because last time we talked about this, you were having your teeth pulled out. And your daughter After was Darryl. and your da your daughter was sitting there listening to this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, see, I said things change for me all the time, but sometimes they go back. And um, like, there was one particular time where, and this was when I was still married, and my husband was very. I hate to say this, but he was he was very Christian, but he was one of the, there's two different kinds of Christians in my mm -hmm. book. There's the Christians. And then there's scared Christians who are extremely scared and everything is of the devil if they don't understand it. Okay. That's yep. the kind of Christian that he was. Okay. So I kept all this stuff from him. I didn't talk about it to him. Um, I knew he couldn't handle most of it. Right. But, you know, little things I would share with him, fun things or whatever, but. You know, just trying to share myself with him a little bit. Fun things like this is how much the bill is before he opens it. You know, something not so scary. But anyway, my, my one girlfriend, when, and this was when I was going through my spiritual awakening, and I would have these realizations, and I would have these experiences that were just bizarre. And I would tell my friend about what happened, and she'd say, I read about that. Or I ordered a book from the library about that. It hasn't come yet, and I'm going to be reading about it. But she always had heard about something about that, So, which was comforting to me because 
not only did I have my native elder that was guiding me through it and making me feel okay, he was also a counselor. So I felt like, okay, he not he's a mental health professional and he's a, you know, what people would call a medicine man, but they don't call themselves that. They call themselves spiritual advisors, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I had him, but then I always had this backup, too, of my friend who was always reading about stuff. And I'm not a book reader. I don't read books. So... So when I would tell her I had this experience and I'd wait for her to tell me that she's heard of something like that before. So I, that was always comforting to me too. So here I was telling her about this situation and she looked at me like I was crazy and she never did that before. And I was like, no, tell me about the book that you read about this. Tell me that. Don't look at me like that. Tell me about the book that you read about it. And I was like demanding it. And she just looked at me like, ah, and we were actually like hiding in the basement, having this conversation. So my husband wouldn't hear 20 minutes later, we're back upstairs and doing whatever. And she's like, come here, I got to tell you something. And she takes me into the office and she starts telling me about this book that she just read, which was everything that I was just telling her about. And I'm like, where was this book 20 minutes ago? (laughs) When you were looking at me like, oh, it's crazy. And, and, and she's like, what? And she had no memory of that. So it had switched in just a very short period of time. And then an hour later, she has no memory of the book again. What? Yes. I mean, this stuff was happening. And then as I'm telling her, this this stuff is happening to me all the time. We're sitting there and we're talking freely in front of one of my adopt my youngest adopted daughters and my friend's daughter, older daughter. Okay, which they were close in age to each other. And they're sitting at the kitchen table and they have their cell phones, you know, like girls do. And uh, but their cell phones were one of one of them had her cell phone just sitting on the table and the other one was holding her cell phone. And as we're talking about this and I, I said, I'm trying to figure out what's happening here, like. Am I sliding into parallel universes and then sliding back? I mean, what what's happened? Because things are changing so quickly for me. And it's really crazy feeling. And um, and so I was sharing this with her. And just then, the do- her daughter <laughs> was holding onto her phone and she throws it onto the table. And it, because it was ringing. And we both, we all just looked at her like, what are you doing? She never throw, they, 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 they love their cell phones, yeah. right? But her phone was ringing and she just like tossed it away like she was scared of it. And we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, my phone is ringing. And we're like, okay, answer it. She goes, it's Tiffany. And Tiffany was sitting at the table and her phone is sitting on the table. <laughs> Not calling her. And we all looked at her phone and it said, you know, calling now, Tiffany. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, answer the phone. <laughs> see, Tiffany, see if there's a different Tiffany on the other end. Because, and that is just when I had said, am I slipping into a parallel universe where there are other us's? And then that happened. <laughs> oh, that's weird. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. And just so crazy. Just, it was, it was feeling crazy. And, and uh, that's where the Mandela effect just got crazier and crazier for me. Another experience that happened later on when I got comfortable with it. And I came to understand that I do think that we are sliding into parallel universes and that they're so similar in most ways that we don't even notice that we're somewhere else. 
but some little thing is different as a clue. And most of the time we're like, well, whatever, I must have been wrong or whatever. Do you, do you think it's an intentional clue? Do you think it's left? Do you think it's changed so that you become aware or is you know, it, is it just something that's a, a byproduct of it? I think it's a byproduct of just something's different, but I've also wondered if it was a clue on purpose. Like, well, how is it that I'm always noticing it? Or am I always noticing it? Maybe I don't notice it most of the time. That could be too. You know, maybe it's happening more than I'm aware of, and I just don't know. But this, I, you know, have, did you ever see the documentary called The Secret? Mm, it doesn't ring a bell. Oh, my goodness. Capital OMG. You need to go get that movie. Um, it's called The Secret. And watch it with subtitles on because there's a lot of whispering that goes on that'll show up on the screen and you, you can't hear it <laughs> if, you, if you just watch it. So watch it with subtitles on and watch it over and over again because every time you see it, you're going to pick up something else from it. But essentially, it gives the message of how to, how to navigate the universe and how to navigate reality. And... They say that this secret has been known for about 2,000 years, but the elite have kept it to themselves, basically. And they've kept it a secret. And that it, it is that when you focus on something with your thought, intention, and then your emotion matches that, it brings it into manifestation. And to me, that was just a whole woo-ha idea of yeah okay whatever at first so when your thought and your and your emotion backs it like um let's say i'm worried about i don't have enough money and i i can't pay my bills and i'm worried about that and my emotion is matching that worry then i'm drawing into myself more lack of okay so that's coming more into my reality but if i switch that around and i'm focused on having plenty and my emotion matches that I have plenty, then that's bringing that into my manifestation, into my reality. So in my head, I was thinking, okay, so we're just magically making this happen and appear. That just seemed hard for me to grasp and accept mm -hmm. that it's like magic, right? And so for me, it was hard to accept that. But when I started to what I would call slide into parallel universes, I started to realize that when I demanded that my friend tell me about the book that she just read about that, and I demanded it. Oh, you brought now it, you brought it into truth. You and then within twenty reality. within twenty minutes, she was telling me about the book that she read about that very subject, which she didn't remember not knowing about twenty minutes before. And then I was mad at her. I'm like, "What are you trying to make me feel crazy? Why are you doing this? <laughs> you didn't know about this twenty minutes ago." You know, so many, you look, so many of these things that you're talking about uh, yeah, from the peripheral standpoint of it, um, without necessarily recognizing that it's happening, but ha having that feeling that something has happened, could that be what some people interpret as in, uh, deja vu, um, deja vu or, uh, yeah, exactly. Deja vu. Because you know, I have a lot of deja vu. I have I, thought long and hard about the deja vu because I've had those too. 
like literally memories that that, uh, this happened before. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure exactly what that is. I have different ideas about what it could be, but I'm not for sure knowing what it is for sure. My instinct, my instinct tells me that I've done this before and I made the wrong choice. I'm getting the opportunity to do it the different way. Like a do-over. Do you think that's when the shift happens? For me, that's different than a shift. It's different than a shift. because It feels different because the shift just feels like I'm going forward, going forward, going forward, and I'm just moving into this or that, into a different lane, so to speak. But a shift is literally going back and doing something over again and giving the opportunity to have a different choice. And it just feels really weird to me when it happens too. Like, oh my gosh, I remember this. This happened before. What did I do wrong? You know, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like to me. So I don't know for sure because I haven't figured that part out yet. There's so much to know. Because I have, but I, I, I have experienced deja vu a lot. A lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's not something that happens two, three times a week. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like over the course of my years, I have found myself saying, Oh, again, (laughs) here we go. You know, and it's, I'll be honest. I I don't think it's anything that's ever been really, um, significant in its, uh, importance, but it has happened an awful lot. And, you know, when we start getting into these kind of topics, um, one of the one that one of the ones that has really bugged me is uh, these people that say, you know, there's a glitch in the matrix. Uh, yeah. Where, you, you know, somebody takes a video of a bird that's not moving or, uh, you know, something to that effect. That's always bugged me a lot. And I've, I've called bullshit and horseshit and every other kind of shit on it that I can. And two summers ago, I had to kind of pull back on that a little bit because I was going down a road that I travel quite often. I got to the stoplight. I turned left down another road that I traveled down quite often. Um, right at there at the intersection is several small businesses, one-story businesses. And as you go through the intersection, making my left-hand turn, probably the first three buildings on either side are businesses, and then it turns residential rather quickly. Um, it's a... It's a very heavily traveled road um, leading to a very busy part of town, but it is a 35-mile-an-hour road. And there's a bunch of houses, and they're all very close to the street. So I I make my left-hand turn, and I look out my driver's side window, and I see a plane, which is low and descending, uh, 
and it it struck me as being very like holy shit now it's not unusual to see a plane coming through that area because i live very close to and that area that i was in is right within the flight path for south bend regional airport in south bend indiana so planes are going through that area all the time this plane was very low like a couple hundred feet low, like too low to be over residential neighborhood and, and the small businesses there. And it wasn't moving. And I immediately looked in my rear view mirror, pulled over to the side of the road because on that road, even though it was pretty heavily traveled, there was parking at the curb. I immediately pulled over, stopped the car, looked again, and it was gone. Now, when I saw it, it was not moving. And in the time that it took me to pull over and stop the car, it was quick. Uh, I'm talking maybe 10, 12 seconds. The direction that it was flying, there was nothing in my way. Nothing impeded my vision. And you, you would have thought that you would have seen at least the tail of the plane continuing on its way. But there was nothing. There was no sound. I never heard the jet. Even when, I, even when I looked over and saw it, I did not hear it. But the thing that was really baffling about this is this jet, the colors, it was like a, it, had, it had two colors on the plane. I mean, the, the plane was white. It had like a royal blue, a bright royal blue. And then it had an orange on it that was, um, the only thing I can really relate it to is the orange that was on the Miami Dolphins uh, football jerseys. It was just kind of a hideous orange. But it was fat. The plane was fat. It looked like a like a child's interpretation, like like if a kid drew a picture of a plane, you know, in third, fourth, fifth grade. And it wasn't long enough, and it was too fat, and it was just, the proportions weren't right. And I called my son immediately, and I was like, dude, <laughs> you know all the times I blow people shit about this whole Matrix thing? I said, I just saw a plane and it was not moving and it didn't look right. It was, it was too fat. It was not long enough. It was too low to the ground and then it was gone completely. Everything, not a, not a sound, nothing. And it was summer. I had my windows down. It was the weirdest driving putting the car in, in, in drive and pulling out of that spot that I was along the road. That was really weird. It was hard to wrap your head around. And then I started thinking back and it's like, man, I just remember seeing that video of a car driving down the road and they're just videotaping a bird that's not moving, but it's still up in the air. And I'm like, what the hell did I just see? 
Or was I seeing something that was taking place somewhere else? That's a good question. Or were you sliding into another spot? I don't know that we can know the answer to all that right now. I I think there's just so many questions to it. You know, and when you say it out loud. I know. It's a, it sounds crazy as shit. It does. But, you know, I've learned that I really do think that it's the techniques that they teach in the secret to help us navigate into places that we want. So I started to play with it to see if I could make it happen on purpose. And this is pretty cool. I had uh, a storage unit. And I had been too late, two months late on the payment. And I'd just been procrastinating. I procrastinate. <laughs> it's one of my qualities. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I hadn't paid the bill. And, and so I decided, oh, I really need to get over there and pay that bill. I need to do it. And it's not like it's so far away. It's like five minutes. And so as I was driving over there, I was driving across the bridge from my office to get over to where the storage unit was. And the idea hit me that wouldn't it be cool if I get there and they tell me that I'm not behind, that I'm up to date. <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? And I laughed. I laughed. And I just, I put energy behind it. I put emotion behind it that matched that. Wouldn't that be awesome? I matched that. Now, I had the money. There was no lack of money, okay? I could have easily paid for those two months. It wasn't that I needed it to be not owed, okay? And so there was no desperation behind that in emotion. I had the money, easily let it go. I owed the money, right? So for the five minutes it took me to drive over there, I held the thought and the emotion behind, I don't owe them anything. <laughs> I held no that. No way. Come on. Yes. And I laughed about it the whole way there. And it was practically a joke in my head. Okay. That's how much I was laughing about it. Okay. Because I was just like, oh, this is so funny. You know, but I was putting emotion behind it. And, and literally it was like a game for me. Okay. I get over there. I didn't really expect it to work. I was laughing at myself for even trying. <laughs> okay. And I get over there and I walk up to the desk and I said, hey, I'm here to pay my bill for my storage unit. And she's like, okay. And I said, I'm so sorry that I'm late. And I told her, you know, I'm unit number eight. And she's looking it up. And uh, I said, I'm so sorry that I'm late. I, you know, I just totally spaced it out. And, um, and she's like, what unit did you say it was? I said, number eight. And she goes, which location? I said, here. This location. Because they had different locations. I said, uh -huh, this one. Yeah. And she's like, um, you're not behind. And I said, what? <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's like, no, you're not behind at all. You're actually two months ahead. I was paid up two months in advance. I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. Is it wrong? I said, nope. <laughs> not wrong. And I walked out. Laughing all the way in the You're car. You're kidding me. No, I was just in shock. 
that it worked. And that was a realization for me that that really is like how the secret was intending for us to use it. That's when the thought and the emotion match, the emotions are like magnetic. So they draw to us, but it's not like we are magically creating the universe or the, the thing that we're asking for that we intended for. I think it literally is just moving us into the parallel universe where that already exists. So we're not creating something. We're just deciding I want to go that place. But what's the catalyst? What what is the what gets you there? I know you can't answer I, that. I can't either. I mean that, that those are the things that Okay. I got to tell you more about the secret though because what's interesting is that when I was married, my husband used to help sometimes people that were flipping houses, right? They'd mm. buy really old houses and then they'd, they'd remodel them and sell them. And so sometimes he would do demolition work for them. They'd tear down walls or whatever. He loved doing that. <clears throat> so he had um, been asked to help with this particular very old house that was built. And he wa- they wanted him to tear down these two walls. So he goes over there and he's smashing them down and whatever. And back in the olden days, a lot of times they would put old magazines and newspapers in the walls for like an insulation and even in the inside walls. And he would pull out these old magazines and he thought a lot of them were cool. So he'd bring them home thinking I would like to look at them, you know, and I did. I like to look at them, you know, magazines from the late 1800s, early 1900s. I thought they were cool. And uh, there was one particular magazine that he brought home, and I'm paging through it. And there was this full-page ad. It was a full-page ad. It had a picture on it of somebody uh, on on this inner tube uh, raft on the the rapids of of a river, and they're on it. And it said how did it was about a book that you could get for free. All you had to do was write to this place and ask for one and they would send it to you. You didn't even have to pay shipping. They would just send it to you. And the book was called How to Successfully Navigate the Rapids of Life. And then there was a whole page, the whole page of, of reading about what this book was about. And I tell you, for sure, they were describing the secret. The secret from the documentary, the movie. It was exactly that. But this... This magazine was at least 80, 90 years old. And the the place that was giving away this book was like the Institute of Science in New York or something like that. Uh And and I I just kept reading it over and over again. And I'm like, they're talking about the secret. They're talking about the secret. And in the secret, they say that this has been this information has been available to us for about 2,000 years. What happened 2,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. What was it? What was the magical thing that happened 2,000 years ago? The resurrection of Christ? Jesus was here. Yeah. So that was where my mind went with that. And then I started to think about and what popped into my head, like... I mean, I was raised as a Christian, and we were in church all the time, (laughs) okay? But Bible study, everything, right? What popped into my head when I thought of that was there are many mansions in my father's house. 
Jesus said that in the Bible. There are many mansions in my father's house and I will go prepare a place for you. (laughs) And those two things went together in my head, like puzzle pieces going together. Like maybe these parallel universes that are so close together that we easily slip from one to the next without even knowing, but has slightly a different altered reality closer to that which we are in wishing for. You know, and if you, if you think about our thoughts and emotions that match as wishes or think of them as prayers, our thought and emotion together, think of those as prayers and that directs us to that location and answer prayer. But most of the time when we are thinking about something that we want or something that we need, let's say I don't have enough money. Normally, if I don't have enough money, the emotion behind that is worry. Mm -hmm. Uh, How am I going to pay my bills? Got that worry there. So that's the emotion that powers that. That's going to put me in a path to a lane that has less money than what I already have. If we're, if we're using the secret as an example. But if I don't have the emotion of worry behind that, if I think, okay, there is going to be plenty for me. And I have that feeling of trust in that I don't have the worry anymore. I just have that everything's going to be okay feeling, that emotion behind that. That's going to navigate me into the lane where that's everything's getting better. Hmm. And so, like, when I was going over to pay my storage unit bill that I was two months behind, I know for a fact I was two months behind. <laughs> and when I got there, I was two months ahead. That's a four-month four swing right there. It is. And I laughed my butt off. I cannot tell you how much I laughed at that. And I thought about it. It didn't. It worked because I didn't need it to. I didn't feel desperate. I have the money. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does not matter to me one way or the other. It was a joke in my head. Just the, so, thought, the thought of trying it out. And I, I literally was laughing at myself for even doing it. <laughs> so when you, when you go taking that, that frame of thought that you just explained, and now let's go back in time to when you realized that statue on the side of the river was not what you had remembered. That didn't put you in a place of happiness. That wasn't. No. So, but was that, was that also part of your awakening? I think it was. I think it was. And I, I don't know that that was an intentional thing or, I mean, maybe it was. Maybe my spirit guides were like, you know, she really needs a huge wake up call here. We need something mm-hmm. that's going to jolt her. Because I was so involved in my marriage and so involved in that life that it was hard for me to let go of that and, and grow because he was so controlling and so scared that he was trying to keep me in this little box. And he, and if I moved a little bit, he was, it was scary for him and I wasn't really going anywhere. He was scared of losing me and I was not going to leave him, but he chased me away. I mean, literally he divorced me <laughs> and in his, his idea, I, I did it. But he, it was really him. He got. He's the one who hired a lawyer and did it. And yeah, he was trying to keep you from growing. He was trying to keep me from growing. Yeah, yeah. It was scary for him that I was changing, and 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 the change in me felt amazing because I was no longer scared. 
I had in the 90s, I had I had serious anxiety disorder, serious, severe anxiety disorder. I was scared of everything related to your gifts. You know, I think a lot of people who are sensitive have um, have anxiety issues. But mine, I think, stemmed from beliefs that I formed as a small child that grew. Because if you think about the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you know, that building that is crooked, mm-hmm. something went wrong there when they were building that. And it started at the foundation. And the more they built upon that, that, that foundation, the more crooked it got. And so if you think about that as a belief that found those that foundation is belief that the belief is skewed and you keep building on that belief, the building will get more crooked and more crooked, more crooked as you build it. And you get but, further and further away from the truth. Yes. So you've got fear upon fear upon fear upon fear and all of it is not real, but it's all you've ever known. So when you're crumbling those fears, you can start at the top and try to work your way down. Or you can go for the bottom brick and kick it all down. <laughs> That's a good and analogy, though. It is. It is. So uh, when you when you go after those fears that you built, starting when you were a small child, mm-hmm. when you go after those and you start changing those things, your perception of reality changes. I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Literally, colors become brighter and more vibrant. Things become so much different. And after going through all this, when I was going through the spiritual awakening, because when when I noticed the statue changed, I was in the middle of my spiritual awakening. I was changing. And I think that I was probably sliding into other realities that that matched what I was going through. Okay. And so I had slid too far into something that was very different. It was, it was, this statue was very, very different. Do you think it's possible that your consciousness is what was slipping what, what was slipping and your consciousness slipped into a more open version of yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and if you talk about the brain, Okay, so the brain, science science will tell you that the brain thinks at 400 billion bytes per second. That's what it's actually doing. It's not a potential. It's actually working that fast. Mm -hmm. But the the average human is only consciously aware of 2,000 bytes per second out of the 400 billion bytes it's actually thinking about. So you're seeing things that you're not aware consciously that you're seeing. You're feeling things physically that you're not consciously aware that you're that you're feeling you are sensing things you you're you're aware of things you don't know that you're aware of you're aware of it in your subconscious mind and that's where these gut feelings people get come from Mm -hmm. and you trust those gut feelings right you even though there's no reason that you have them you can't think oh this person looks fine and whatever but they give me the creeps big time (laughs) right but they look okay they haven't done anything wrong but geez Mm -hmm. wow scary Creep, creep, creep. The creep vibes are coming. And that's where that comes from because you are subconsciously aware of something that's going on there that you're not consciously aware of. And that that feeling is eking up to give you a warning sign. Warning, warning, warning. Stay away from that one. And that's where that comes from. So if you think of that like a binoculars and you're looking through the binoculars and what you can see, you can see really well, right? But it's a very small bit of what Mm -hmm. you can see. 
right? And think about that. That's your 2,000 bytes of conscious awareness versus everything else all around you that you could be looking at. You can only see what's in the binoculars. But you can learn to shift your head and look at something else and become aware of something else. And when that becomes a reality for you, when you realize that that's a power that you have anytime you want to, you can become aware of other things that are already there. It's not new. Psychics aren't some magic stuff. It's really just becoming more consciously aware of things that you already know, that you already sense. You're just tilting your binoculars a little bit to become aware of something else. Okay, I see what's here. Now what's, what else is here? Look, look more. What else is here? What else is here? What else is here? But when you think about 2,000 bytes of conscious awareness versus 400 billion bytes of awareness that you have in your subconscious mind, what are the chances that you and I and everybody else that you know are consciously aware of the same exact 2,000 bytes of things every single second? We're looking at the same thing. Mm-hmm. How do we know that we're consciously aware of the exact same 2,000 bytes? What are the chances that we are? Probably very slim. Exactly. And when I realized that, when I realized that, I started asking people questions. I love polls. I have access to lots of people one-on-one when I'm working with them. And so I started asking them questions. (laughs) What do you see when you look at that? What does this mean to you? You know, <laughs> what do you see over there? And I point. What is? It, what do you see? Describe it for me. What color is it? What does it say? What you know? What does it mean? And you'd be surprised how many people don't even notice things that are right in front of them. Uh, an example: or, or I was out at the lake with one of my friends, and she's older than me, and she's very. Um, whimsical you know she's very things when something touches her she just feels deeply moved and she starts to cry you know (laughs) and we're sitting there and I had one tree there and it was lit up with all these fireflies and it's blinkity blink 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 and I thought it was really odd that she hadn't said anything about the fireflies because she's the type of person that would be like oh look it's fireflies you know that's just how she would be right right And so I thought, how odd is it that she hasn't said anything about the fireflies? And so I said to her, when's the last time you saw a firefly? And I expected her to say they're right there. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And she said, Jen, they don't have fireflies in Minnesota. I haven't seen a firefly since I was a kid in Pennsylvania. And I was like, no way. Are you serious? And this is in my head now. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> no way is this happening. This is awesome. So then I said to her, we do have fireflies in Minnesota. Are you kidding me? I said, there, I, I saw one in that tree over there. And I pointed at the tree. Now that tree is full of fireflies. It's blinkity blink, blink, blink. But I told her there was one. <laughs> I saw one. <laughs> And she looked at that tree and she looked at that tree 
for what seemed like at least 30 seconds, maybe a minute, searching for that firefly. And then she saw it. And she went, oh, my gosh. And she started to cry. This is what I expected. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, look, it's a firefly. And I'm like, are you kidding me? She's only seeing one firefly? And I said, well, I saw more in there. She's like, really? So she starts looking for them again. And then she starts to see more and more and more of them. And this was just an awakening moment for me to realize how different people perceive reality. How differently they can perceive reality from somebody sitting right next to them. And I thought about this a lot. And I called it the firefly experiment. I tried it many times with other people <laughs> after that. Did you, the ever firefly have, experiment. did you have other results that were the same? That were, other people were, they, they didn't see them right away until I prompted them to look for them. And then they saw them. And, it, and it's always true that if they're, not, if they're not consciously aware of it and you tell them it's there and they look for it, they can always see it. They will see it if they look for it. But... Sometimes people are like, yeah, whatever, and they don't even look, right? (laughs) They're close-minded to the idea. Yeah, Yeah, whatever, and they don't even look. They don't care to look. So there's that too. But I I think that this is is important because kids always see fireflies. Their consciousness is so open, and they're in a constant state of change, and their awareness is so open. Everything is new to them, and they're a constant state of learning and discovering and then I go back to what the things that flies into my head when that happened as well. When I had that realization that kids see fireflies, kids do. Then I remembered my Bible study teachings. And Jesus says, when you come to me, come to me as if you were children. If you do not come as children, you will not come. Mm-hmm. Ah, what are children like? They're curious. They're open. They, they see everything that's there with a curious, constant wonder. They're sponges. <laughs> yes. Absorbing they everything. don't think they they don't think they already know what's already there. They don't look at things so quickly that they don't notice. You know, and that's what happens with people. They get to be so focused on what is they need to do that they stop, they filter out everything else and they just focus on what they need to do. And everything else just goes away. Even though it's still there. They're missing out on that magical aspect of just observing what's really around them. And then I also realize, I mean, there's so many different things that I realized through this growth period that whatever we focus on, whether it's good or bad, becomes our reality. And it's not necessarily that we're shifting to that. This is something different. This is something different. This is purely upon perception. Okay. And. So if you have somebody that focuses on the negative all the time, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for evidence of that negative. Say, I'm being taken advantage of. This person doesn't care about me. They're looking for that evidence. She's cheating on me. And they might <laughs> and they migrate towards that because that is what they know. Yes. That's what it, and so they, it's almost a, a a comfort to them even though yes. it's a negative. And so they look for evidence of that to protect themselves that it's coming. And they'll see evidence of that, whether it's there or not. They see it there, and it's real to them, and it confirms their belief. And so their perception of reality becomes dark, and it becomes what, you know, and and how many times have you seen that happen in people's lives, Mm -hmm. you know, where somebody chases another person away because they're sure that they're 
they're doing this. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Because a lot of times they weren't. They were driven away, literally driven away by somebody who was treating them as if they were doing something wrong. Yeah. And they weren't. Might as well do the crime if I'm doing the time, right? (laughs) Yeah, perfectly stated. Yeah. So I think there's so many different aspects to this perception and reality and then the shifting into parallels. And I think that what is the Mandela effect is that people are shifting in mass, mass groups of people are shifting. And and now we have the Internet and we are so interconnected consciously with other people. We have access to information at our fingertips whenever we want it. And so we can say Hey, Google, and I better not say that because my phone will act up and say yes because uh, I have mine set up to be voice activated. But you can ask your phone just verbally about anything you want, and the answer comes up, right? Yeah. And so you can ask about, well, did this happen? Did that happen? And you can find other people that remember it just the way you do. And how did that happen? Unless we are really shifting into a parallel universe. Scientists believe in parallel universes. They do. Yeah. They literally say that they are paid like paper thin. The, the flat earthers aren't necessarily completely wrong. <laughs> the earth is round. The earth is round, but the universe is flat like paper. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's more like a flat universe. So and we'll, if they we'll cut them a little slack. <laughs> right, right. I, I just kind of go, oh my gosh, flat earthers. But I'm like, the flat universers, there, I'll buy into that. But nobody ever talks about that. But I'm telling you right now, the universe is flat like paper, and they are stacked on top of each other, and they're so close together that you can easily slip from one to the next without even realizing. And they're just so slightly different. And I'm going to bring up something from my memory bank, from the way back machine, way, way back when I was young, and I listened to Art Bell in the middle of the night on the radio. Mm -hmm. So there was a guy that contacted Art Bell claiming to be a time traveler. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? Mm Mm-hmm. And when he talked about time travel, he said he was going backwards in time to get something that was needed for a computer system of some kind that had been obsolete and they needed it. And so he was traveling back in time, making small jumps through parallel universes. And he never would say anything about the technology. I know they asked him a lot about the technology that he was using to do this, but he wouldn't say. And I think the reason is because there isn't a technology. It's purely consciousness and will. But something that he said was very interesting to me that stands out to me today. And he said that he has to make small jumps, just little ones, because if he jumps too far one time, When he goes to return, he will have gone so far off course that he will not be able to get back to a parallel universe, which is similar to the one that he came from. He acknowledged that he knew he would never get back to the same universe from which he came. The original one. He would never get back there, ever. But he would get back to a similar one that was close enough. And that strikes me, that strikes me knowing what I know now. 
he probably didn't have a device that was he was dialing in to go this way. He was probably just making these jumps with consciousness and intention. Using, being the, a, using the secret? I, I think it's the secret times a zillion. Yeah. I think, you know, once you start, you know, you could start with, hey, somebody's going to buy me a, a Coke today, mm-hmm. or I'm going to find a good parking spot in the front. You got to start with something small because you believe that these things are possible. Be- start intending something that is possible that you believe could happen any day. It just doesn't normally happen, but just intend that it's going to happen today. I'm going to find a great parking spot right in the front by the door. <laughs> Feel excited about finding that parking spot yeah, by the pole, front door. Pole position. Yeah. It's going to be exactly. a good day. <laughs> yeah. And then the more that you can do that successfully, the more you believe that it's true. And then the bigger things you can ask for. But if you go straight for, I'm going to win the lottery. Mm. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. Not that they're that different. Not that they're that different. It's just that in our mind, we think that's such a big impossibility. You have to build up to that. Let me Proving ask you to a yourself question. that this is real. Let yeah. me, going back to never returning to the same exact reality that you left, like the gentleman from uh, Art Bell show, with with the shift that happened with your mom, with the teeth being pulled and then not being pulled. Yep. Was, was it you making the shift or do you think that you were experiencing, you were awakened to somebody else's shift? Does, is your, does your mom seem like your mom? That you've always remembered, except for the fact that she had her teeth pulled twice. <laughs> I yes. guess is what I'm saying. She's, she was still the, the wonderful lady that she is. She's still the one. She was still that same person. It's just that that specific thing hadn't happened yet. So with your experiences, you feel that you are the one that's making the the jump. Yes. The and some and sometimes people come with me. Because they remember it the same as me, and then we go back and forth, which is interesting. It's very interesting, and and you know, uh, I, my, one of my best friends, she's passed away. She she had, she passed away in 2017, very suddenly, very unexpectedly. I'm sorry. And, um, her and I used to do Reiki together, and we got to a level of. Reiki at such a pure energy level. And when I say pure, pure, I mean like unconditional love with Reiki energy. Like I loved her unconditionally. She loved me unconditionally. There was this purity to it. And when we gave that energy to each other, it did something. And it was like this boom. And it happened before, which I never understood because I teach Reiki, right? And so years before that, I had taught uh, these two ladies that I knew. They were best friends. And they, they were both friends of mine. One was closer to me than the other. And I taught them both. And they were practicing on me one day. And so I'm laying on the table and they're doing Reiki on me. And I turned over. And at that point, I intended to re- to reciprocate and give Reiki back to them at the same time they were giving to me. And when I did that, they started screaming and hanging on to the table. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, we're, if I let go, I'm going to fly into the wall. I'm like, no, you won't. That's ridiculous. 
And they insisted that if they let go of the table, they were going to fly into the wall, that they were being pushed back. And I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. And it's it was enough to scare both of them to not want to do it again. And I was just like, this is ridiculous, you guys. Come on. And they wouldn't. They wouldn't even try Reiki again after that. And it was years later when I was with this other friend who I taught Reiki to, and we got to this level of giving Reiki to each other where this it was like this amplification happened of our energies together. And it created like this bubble of energy. And it got really big. And um, I went to get something. And I reached the edge of what whatever this bubble was, and I felt it push me. And I was like, holy crap. And I instantly knew this is what happened to the other ones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then I, like, walked back into the bubble, and I could feel that energy, and it was just pulsating within this bubble. And it had gotten, it had gotten so big that it was actually going into the next room. And it was the edge of it was right by my desk. And I, so I told my friend, I said, oh, can you go get me a pen off my desk over there? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, sure. So she walks over there to reach for the pen. And when she got to the edge, it, it threw her into the wall. And I was like, yes, if I hadn't said a word. <laughs> but I wanted to see if she could feel it or if, I, you know, it's not, and not a suggestion by me, but just did, did she interact with it the same way I did? And it did. And she did. And so we worked with that and we figured out and we kept getting it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I went to down the hall and got one of my neighbors down the hall from work, somebody who was just totally not consciously aware at all. And I said, come here. Um, I want you to just come, come here, <laughs> come here. And so he comes over and I said, I just want you to see if you sense or feel anything like just open your awareness to feel whatever and just tell me what you are experiencing and so when he got within the bubble he he was like whoa I feel kind of dizzy I feel kind of off balance I'm like okay cool and and so he kept feeling like he was dizzy and lightheaded and I was like okay and so I'm like do you want to lay down he's like sure so he lays down on my table and he's looking at the ceiling and he started to see multiple ceilings he's like that is so weird and I'm like what what's weird and he's looking at the ceiling and he says it's like I can see the ceiling but then there's another ceiling above it and another one above that and another one above that they're just like layered ceilings right on top of each other and in my head I went universes <laughs> <laughs> I was like holy gosh it's universes and so I said what is it that you want He's like, what? I said, what do you want in your life? What is it that you want right now? If you could have anything, what is it that you want? And he's like, um, I don't know. And I'm like, just tell me, what is it that you want in your life? And I, I knew that he was a disabled veteran and that he was struggling to get on medical disability for that, for, for military medical disability. And I knew that he was struggling with that. And I said, okay, how about this? Do you want medical disability from the military? He said, yeah, but that's not going to happen. They said, it's two years before I can be reassessed. I said, tomorrow, tomorrow, you're going over to the VA and you're going to see a doctor who's going to approve you and you're going to get the second doctor to approve you. It's going to happen tomorrow. He's like, no, Jen, they said, I said, I don't care what they said. This is happening tomorrow. Just agree with me. And I said to my friend, am I right? Is that what's going to happen tomorrow? And she said, yes, that's going to happen tomorrow. And we both assured him, this, just agree with us. Just go with it. <laughs> I said, isn't that what you want? He said, yeah, I, I do. 
I said, then that's what's going to happen tomorrow. Next day, guess what happened? No way. <laughs> yes. He was in shock. He called me from the VA. He's like, Jen, a doctor just approved my disability. I'm like, cool. What about the second one? He goes, I'm about to go see him now. I'm <laughs> like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it did. He got approved. He got approved. But he had been so worried about not being approved. And there was no reason why he shouldn't be approved. He had been in an explosion that exploded in his face. It, it destroyed his ear. He had shrapnel in his brain. He had almost, he had lost most of his sight. I mean, there's no reason why he didn't have it. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous. They medically, dis they medically retired him from the military because of this happening to him. But yet they wouldn't give him medical yeah. military disability. It doesn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. And I kept telling him, that doesn't make sense. Do you want me to come down there with you? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. And yeah. But so when this happened, I'm like, this is what he needs. This is what, this is what you want, right? That's what you want. And he got it. So I, I, you know, I, I think about that and how awesome it was that her and I could do that. And, you know, I probably should work with somebody else to get to that level. It's hard to get to that level. It's it's hard for people to get there because there's so con so many conditions upon how they feel about other people that gets mm. in the way. You know, where I really loved her. I loved her no matter what. Didn't care what she did or didn't do. You know, I accepted her for who she was. Perfect and not perfect. All She was perfectly imperfect. And she felt the same way about me. You know? Well, maybe, that's, maybe that's... Maybe there's some intent behind that, that you can't do that with just anybody. That's true. That's true. You have to have the trust in there where you feel like, and, 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 and that's not always true either because I love people today that I have no business even caring about. You just can't stop caring. You know, you still do even though they're crap. They treated you like crap. They still treat you like crap. They never apologize. They're not in your life, but you still, you care. You know, and once you reach that level of unconditional love, that that level of love becomes real to you. When you can't stop loving somebody that you don't want to love anymore <laughs> and you don't have you don't have the pain associated with the loss so much anymore is more than it's just still love. You know what I mean? Where the pain is gone, but there's still love there. Yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't like run back to that person because you just can't live with that kind of dysfunction in your life. But um, you still care. You still love them. And that doesn't change no matter what. I mean, when you reach that level of imper that unconditional love, unconditional love becomes available to you and real to you in your reality. Like, I never believed that I was lovable until I reached that. Until I was able to love like that, it became real to me that this is something that I could receive too. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. And yeah. I think at about two hours and 24 minutes into it, I think uh -huh. this is where we're, we're going to wrap this one up, but Absolutely. I, I like where I like where you ended up with, because I think it resonates with really what my show is about. And that is, opening your mind, accepting things that make you uncomfortable, walk in the light, live in the good, and just accept the bad. Accept the bad, but don't dwell on it. Yep. 
Do your shadow work. It's important. And that, that shadow work is everybody is light and dark. They're both. You have to blend the two together. Well, you can't have one without the other. Exactly. Exactly. It's finding a balance. Exactly. Jen, it's been a pleasure. I am uh, I'm thrilled that you sat down with me and took the time out of your day. I know you're busy. It's been a great conversation. And uh, I can't wait to do this again with you and the other ladies of your She Squatchers group. What a different topic, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> and, and, and I, I tell you, I was, I was really excited um, when we, when we first started messaging about this stuff. Um, you know, because I mean, I, I had, I had a whole show worth of questions, you know, on the on the Sasquatch topic. Um, but when you you started diving into this stuff. It was uh, it was a whole new a whole new aspect I, I was not expecting, and uh, and there is so much more. Yeah, we barely just scratched the surface. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you, living life this way is so much better than being afraid. I used to be afraid of so many things. I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of this. I was afraid to leave my house for two years, and now. I go looking for Bigfoot in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Is that not the exact opposite? Yeah. You know, people people are afraid of that. And I'm like, hmm, whatever. You know? Yeah. It, it's completely different. And it's a freedom. It's freedom. I encourage everybody to, to go through that shifting. And if you need help, and I don't. I don't think people should do that alone because you do feel crazy. You should have somebody guiding you that can help you to feel better about what's happening so you can trust it. Because I know for a fact that people who go through this change alone sometimes get diagnosed with mental illness. Okay. And I had such a theory about that after I went through it that on my own that I started to talked to a mental health professional who was a client of mine and I told her my ideas about counseling people and she thought they were so unique and interesting that she thought I might be onto something and so I showed her what I was talking about inside of her consciousness and she was blown away so she asked if she could bring colleagues over to talk to me which I said okay and she said can you show them what you showed me I said sure and so I told them my theories about mental illness and this shifting that happens. And I showed it to them inside of themselves and they were blown away. And to the point where they said, what could she do if we gave her a patient? What could she do if we gave her a patient who was considered severely mentally ill and unhelpable? Which they gave me one. And we did, we did, a, um, we did a study. And I, I will admit to you that I've never, ever, ever in my life taken a psychology class, not even a high school one. <laughs> so this was fun. Um, and uh, the, the husband and the wife, they, I worked with the wife, and uh, uh, they agreed that whatever we did was an open book. He just was ho hoping that anything at all could help her. Mm -hmm. and she was hoping for help, too. And basically, 
I used what I knew about going through my spiritual waking and what I experienced during that time and what I was aware of during that time and how reality shifted in my perceptions. And I realized that she was stuck in one of those spaces. And then somebody diagnosed her and she stayed there and built her reality upon that brick, upon that foundation because that I'm mentally ill. Because she was so fearful of what she was told. Yes. And so uh, the way that she, she's absolutely better now. <laughs> and the, the counselor that was there, she was there for every session that we had. And she literally was crying through the first session. And we kept looking at her, go, asking her, why are you crying? And she's like, I've worked with her for five years and you're helping her. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's working. And, <laughs> and um, you know, she was just in tears because it was so moving to her to see that there was progress being made because I was connecting with her on a level that she just didn't understand. And, um, you know, she was seeing things that she didn't understand. She was seeing auras, you know, and then when she would see them, they would tell her that was a hallucination. I'm like, that's not a, that's real. <laughs> you know, that's real. But this fear, that's not real. Throw that away. And I would tell her, well, this is real. This is what this is. This is good. This is not real. That's a fear. Throw it away. And I was going through her whole perception of reality, teaching her what was what was real and what was not. And she would just trusted me. She trusted me to go through that. It's harder to do with somebody who believes that they are mentally capable. If you have no idea in your mind that you might not be okay, you are like, what do you mean that's not real? Of course that's real. <laughs> But she just believed it. She just threw it away, just like I told her. She just, it was so fast. It was so fast. And now she's, and, and now she's, she's living fine. a normal life now. And what's interesting is that the way she described it, she wrote a letter to me and, and to thank me for this. And what she wrote was, you walked into my world where I had been absolutely alone. And you helped me find my way out. Wow. And that's literally what I did. I walked into her perception of reality and I helped her navigate what was what she was perceiving. And it was different from what I went through, but it was enough the same that I understood it. And it rem and it reminded me of my elder, my native elder always told me when I was going through my change, my my awakening, and I would call him and say, "Am I okay? I don't feel like I'm okay." You know, I think I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And he'd be, I'd tell him what, he goes, well, tell me what's happening. And I would tell him what I was seeing or feeling or experiencing. And he'd say, that you're okay. That can't hurt you. Just keep going. Don't be afraid. Just keep going. And he'd say, I know that this is hard for you, but because it's hard for you, it's going to be easier for everybody else. Was she on a battery of medications that you had to work through and wean out of her to? No, it absolutely did not matter. It, that didn't matter at all. It was specifically perceiving and what she was perceiving and how she was reacting to that. And she was so scared because anytime she would see an aura or receive information, because she was psychic. She was psychic. She was more psychic than I am. And, and she was grabbing information faster than I could. It was so cool. And we had one experience that was so interesting because neither one of us knew that the counselor had a relative who had committed suicide. We didn't know. And all of a sudden, I started to receive information about that person, and so did she. And we were receiving both information we're receiving about this person who died. 
and we're saying this is what he looks like. He's doing this. He's wearing that. He da da da, and he's choking and da da da, and all this stuff. And then I see the church, and I see this, and all this stuff. And and the counselor started crying, and she didn't tell us why she was crying. And she kept asking us for more of that information in every session. Can you tell me more about that? Can you tell me more about that? And it wasn't until much later that she said, you know, this was my relative. Oh, wow. And, and she said the one day she came and she had said, if this is really you, show me this. Show them this. And she had one picture of him. It was a, a senior photo where he was in this unique position there. He was like sitting with his, like laying down, but his leg was up. And he was wearing this peach shirt. And she said, show them this. If this is really you, you show them this. And what did we see? She started doing this stance. He's like, he's laying down and he's doing this. <laughs> and I said, and I'm seeing Peach. And, and that was it. She's like, oh, my God, that's it. That's it. <laughs> wow. You know, that was her confirmation of that, you know. And she yeah. didn't necessarily believe in that stuff before that happened. She's like, I really didn't believe in this stuff. I really didn't. I just knew that you were talking about things that she talked about that I didn't understand. And so I knew that you could the things that you were saying, the things that you did with me, that you, maybe you could be the one to help her. And they did, you know, and they, I did it with another person too. Um, and the difference in some of that is that some people really want to be better. They really want it. And other people, their illness is becomes their identity and they don't really want to give it up. So it only goes so far and then they stop. Right. So, I mean, the person really has to want it to really make that effort to go forward, you know? And the, so. unfo the unfortunate thing with some people with mental illness, they don't even realize that they're in that state and they can't make the decision that they want to be better. Well, the sad part, Eric, is this. I realize that when people go through their spiritual awakening process, it's kind of like being Alice in Wonderland. You slip into that wonderland where everything is bizarre and weird and the Cheshire Kayak smiles at you and things appear and disappear. And it's just really weird. Everything is strange and weird and wonderful, but scary at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you realize the perception of reality that you had before is not right. It was false. And you know that that's true. And you've walked through this door and now you're in wonderland and you're looking for what is real. And you realize that all the things that are happening in here are just really bizarre. And they're so different than what everybody else sees. And some of it is really eye-opening and amazing and awesome and wonderful. And some of it is really scary. And I realize that when you come up to a door, there's many doors. There's many doors. And you, you can choose your perception of reality. And all these doors are an example of that. And just a, a representation of that. But when you choose your door, you know that you're near a door when you become very afraid. You become very, very, very afraid. And something is telling you to stop. Stop now. Stop now or else. And for me, I always had a very similar fear. You know, the fear would be different, but the, always the underlying fear was if you go any further, you won't be here anymore. You will die and be away from your family. I mean, that was the fear that I had. And so I, I would stop. I wouldn't go further. I'd be like, no, I can't go further. And when I would finally push through that, it would be like I was inside a bubble wrap 
inside a single little bubble and that somebody was putting pressure on that bubble wrap to the point that it was going to pop. And so when you're inside that bubble, everything just feels really horrible all at once. It gets worse. Everything is scarier all at once. It's all awful. But if you can push through it and not feed the fear, if you can be without the fear and it pops the bubble and you just feel the strength and light and, and the life just flow in and everything is okay. And it's just an instantaneous change of your perception and you've walked through the door and everything changes. And so it's this process of going through these different alternate alterations of your perception of reality. When you're busting through those levels of fear that you have created in your perception, because you've built these building blocks based on these fear blocks on the bottom of your foundation. So your whole perception of reality is based on this fear, all the fears that have created from the one fear in the bottom. And, and, and so during this time when people are going through these changes, they often will see things that aren't there. And if they get diagnosed during that time and they believe their diagnoses and they accept that diagnosis and they stay there, they're stuck in that place. And it is a scary place to be. And when I realized that that could be true, that that could be what people are experiencing, it scared me. It made me sad. I cried a lot. Because I always blew right through those places quite quickly. I went right through them. I had experiences that were so crazy and so scary but they only lasted for 10 minutes and they were done and never happened again, mm-hmm. ever. It was done. Everything was better after that. Every, always everything was better after that. Everything improved. Everything did. And it was always and always an improvement every single time. And I came to trust that when I feel this increased level of fear, it means I'm at the door. This is awesome. We're going to get an improvement. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and it became that for me. And then it made sense what my elder was saying to me, that because it was hard for me, it would be easier for everybody else. I just needed to keep going. And I always said, what do you mean? What does that mean? And he couldn't tell me, but I understood it later. You know, I can help people go through that, that spiritual awakening, that conscious shift. I can guide them through that if they're willing, if they're ready to put in that work. That's amazing. And I just had a moment ago, another deja vu. Um, What you were describing, and not only is this deja vu, but also synchronicity, uh, what you were describing of breaking down and rebuilding the new perception is at one point almost word for word what you said is what a fellow Minnesotan who was on my show not too long ago, Ellie, um, on my first episode about the red grid mark phenomenon, she spoke about the same exact thing. What did she say? Just how her entire perception of her reality had been torn apart, and re, repackaged and she felt the colors were brighter and things were better and the birds sounded louder and it was it was very very similar to what you just what you just laid out 
That's awesome. Is very, very, very similar. Um, it was, I actually got chills at one point because your voice even sounded like when she was telling me about that. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the, the amazing things about doing this show is the, the, uh, the connections and the, the synchronicities and the, um, the little, the little confirmations. Eric, I have something to tell you. I'm listening. So there was somebody who was further along than I was at the time when I came across that article in that old, old magazine about navigating the rapids of life, that Mm -hmm. book that was being given away 80 to a hundred years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew that they, but they were describing this book was the secret. And I, I showed it to, I showed this, this ad to somebody that I knew that was further along than me in all of this. And we were talking about the secret. I said, this is the secret. I know it is. And I said, I know that they say that it's been available to us for 2000 years, but you know, does everybody get to know about it? Does everybody get to know about it? And what he said to me, and it felt, it rang true for me when I feel truth, when I hear truth, I get these goosebumps all over my body. Right. And what he said was, people are presented with the information in some way, shape, or form that they are in control of their experience, of their life, that they they have this ability to do this. And it's their choice either to grab a hold of it or not. Mm-hmm. It, it's presented to them at a few, a few different times in their life, and it's their choice whether or not they want to move forward with it or not and that hurt my heart so hard at that time because there were so many people that I wanted to take with me and they just weren't grasping it they weren't grabbing a hold of it they weren't looking at it no matter how much I showed it to them they just were not and it broke my heart because I did not want to leave them behind and that's what was happening I was growing beyond their ability to be with me because my life was changing so much. Mm -hmm. It was getting so much better and theirs was not. And I don't know how to explain that any other way, but I want you and I want the people who are listening to this episode to know, go and watch the secret. Everything in there, as weird as it sounds, it's true. Do you know where it's available at? Is it something that's currently streaming or do you have to look a little harder and maybe find the DVD? Um, I haven't looked for it in a long time, but let me look right now and I will tell you where you can find it. Amazon, Google Play. It's $7.99 on Amazon. Um, Let's see. You can read the book. I, I highly suggest the DVD, though, like the movie. I'm not a big Don't book you? reader either. Because in the in the, in the the movie aspect, they actually have people that are interviewing that are sharing their own experiences with how they used it to do this or that. But start with that. Find the DVD. Find where you can stream it, however you can watch it, and watch it on repeat. Watch it with the subtitles on so mm-hmm. you can hear what they're whispering about. 
And um, I'm going to send you the screenshot of what it looks like, too, so you can know that it's exactly the one. Um, definitely <laughs> definitely will be on my watch list. Okay. And uh, and and go ahead and, and explore that. Grab a hold of it, because maybe this is your chance to, to change your experience to improve it. Mm. You're in You're in control. You just got to take a hold of it. Well, I think there's there's been a bit of a, a change in my journey. Um, I think it started before my decision to start doing this show, um, but not not too far beyond that. It uh, it is very not me to invest the type of money into recording equipment and, and everything that goes into putting this show on the old me would have found a hundred different reasons not to do it. I would have talked myself out of it. It would have been, um, it would have been a, a thought for a half a day and then I'd have just shoved it off and just went about my normal boring business <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason since the inception of the inception of doing this show I have had no I have no regrets I have had no roadblocks I have not gotten in my own way And I have had some of the most intriguing, interesting, thought-provoking conversations that I've ever had in my life in the last seven months. And it's obviously nothing as dramatic as what you've experienced in your life, but I've started a lot later. And I do tend to look at this as a a new awakening, a new journey that I really don't see ending. And that is amazing. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. I feel like I am for the first time in my life, to be honest with you. You're absolutely exactly where you're supposed to be. And I love that your journey through that process is taking other people with you through your podcast. I never looked at it that way. Absolutely see it that way. But that is, <laughs> that is, that is very true. I did not look at it that way. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And just know that you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. And the more people grab onto that, grab onto this, Try it out. Play with it. Make it fun. Jen, it's been a pleasure. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you guest. so much. I can't wait to do this with you again. Absolutely. It'll be fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night. Over these past two shows, we've covered a number of of unusual experiences throughout Jen's period of awakening. And by the end of it, I hope
like me that you will have all had a chance to reach the same conclusion as I and that is that through positive thought navigating difficult times without dwelling on the negative and opening your mind to the possibility that the universe's law of attraction is not only possible but very probable I want to hear your story I want to hear your experience so email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com if you enjoy the show then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes share the show with your friends share the show on social media make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter all at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable.